I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, hey, happy new year and welcome to the first 2018 episode of the Touch Em All podcast, Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. And uh, it's, I, mean, I, I guess we were talking about this off microphone. We feel like we should almost apologize for the lack of Touch Em All content. But you know what? Major League Baseball and the Twins, by extension, should apologize yes. for basically no moves being made. The yeah. hot stove was shut off three weeks ago. I think Rob Manford and the Players Association and the free agents at large owe us an apology yes. for not giving us very much to talk about. So uh, the Twins haven't done anything yet. In fact, the latest <laughs> rumor or, or report, I'm stealing this from our guy Darren Doogie mm-hmm. Wolfson's Scoop Podcast, that the Twins and you Darvish are still trying to find time on their schedule to meet face-to-face, so, which I heard that a lot when asking women out for dates in college. Right, right. Listen, my schedule's packed, Phil. Right. Uh, yeah, Let me get back um, to you. I'll call you. So isn't that not. kind of awkward that uh, Astros can meet with him, the Rangers can meet with him, the Yankees – Cubs, Cubs or whatever. I don't know if the Yankees have actually met with him, but these are the teams rumored to be in the sweepstakes. And here we've been sold this basket of goods that, you know, he and Thad Levine are so close from from Thad's time with Texas and they can't get on the calendar. So like, it's either Is you he... Darvish that busy this time of year or does he just not want to come to Minnesota cuz it's 10 below? It's either both sides know exactly where the other stands and Thad and and you Darvish know each other well enough to where they just don't they don't need to meet face to face because they know each other. Unlike maybe Theo Epstein and you Darvish, sure. or it's that you Darvish isn't taking the Twins seriously enough to get a face to face meeting, and, or, and maybe the Twins floated some financial terms mm. unofficially at the winter meetings. Yeah, I, don't um, I don't think they're going to wind up signing him at this point. But so we'll I'm see. not reading too much into them not having a meeting. I just think it's weird and it's funny to make fun of. I would still say that if you're the twins, you should absolutely still have your phone on. You know, don't turn it on airplane mode. Don't turn the ringer off, whether it's you, Darvish, Jake Arrieta, who I'm less interested in, Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn, who I'm less interested in. But you should be still aspiring to get a big-time starting pitcher. And they're still out there. They're still available, whether it's trade or free agency. It's just it's weird how slow this winter has moved, but... There's still a lot of dance partners left, and for the yeah. Twins to improve their rotation, I think it'd be a big help in the next six weeks before spring training. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's pretty much it because the Twins haven't done, and they did that's sign Fernando Rodney, but we've talked about that a couple Zach weeks ago. Zach Duke, and we can yeah. break all that down. Zach Duke, he's a lefty and whatever. He's, he's, he's in the bullpen. He'll be, he'll be a guy. He'll be great. Uh, the big story over the last week or so, and we're still waiting for much more information to come out on this, but there's been some interesting twists and turns in the Miguel Sano assault accusation. And just to sum it up, I think most people listening to this podcast are very much aware, if you're a diehard Twins fan, you're very much aware of the story that came out last week. Uh, an accusation, and her name, uh, Betsy, her name is out there, and she posted uh, publicly to her Twitter account uh, this, I don't know, 500-word write-up and, uh, and documentation of events that took place in 2015 at a local mall after an autograph signing and uh, and she said, so no, I'm summing this up. It's a little bit clunky, but I don't want to read the whole thing um, on this podcast. People can read the whole thing uh, if they just Google it. That Sano was flirtatious with her and then summoned her around the mall 
eventually, uh, at the end of the stay at the mall, Sano summoned her to a bathroom by grabbing her very tightly around the wrist and attempted to pull her into the bathroom. This was a struggle that took place for for about 10 minutes, uh, according to the accuser. And um, and she characterized it as assault and was worried about what Sano would do if they eventually got to the bathroom. I want to just I'm going to throw this out uh, this Jeff Passan article in addition to this because there's so many ways to go with this. Um, Jeff Passan wrote for Yahoo Sports last week, and this is where it sounds like whether this incident is fully credible or not, and there is and there are a lot of questions I'm sure Major League Baseball will be asking about this particular incident. When you add the Jeff Passan report to it, it sounds like there's a pattern of behavior or a type of behavior from Sano that's not just contained to an isolated incident. He wrote, quote, While Miguel Sano might have a lot of things, the utmost respect for women is not one of them, according to five people, including teammates, ex-teammates, and confidants, with whom he has spent time. Though none accuse Sano of, ex- of sexual assault or could confirm Bisson's account of the story, they characterized him as someone who saw the pursuit of women as a sport. Getting in trouble for it was just, quote, a matter of time, said one person familiar with Sano, whom he called, quote, a ticking time bomb. Um, so, Derek, I would just say I don't think um, – I think there's already red flags with Snow's baseball profile. And you and I were going to have an episode this offseason where we just debated, is he a guy you want long-term as a baseball player? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of red flags about his conditioning, uh, his inability to stay on the field, his strikeouts. Can he play third base? There's all kinds of things that I question when thinking about giving him $20-plus plus million a year on an 8-plus-year contract at some point to the point where I would be shopping him before this incident was reported. Yeah. I would be shopping him for a Chris Archer or somebody. And now you add in all these questions about his behavior, um, whether it's criminal behavior or whether it's just promiscuous behavior, there are now personal red flags attached to Miguel sure. Like if it's improper behavior in any kind – I should say up front that it feels almost out of place when when you and I talked earlier this offseason about, okay, when can we get the Miguel Sano episode on the schedule? You and I sort of disagreed about him as a player going forward. I still see the upside in Miguel Sano. I see the 35% strikeout rate and think, uh uh-oh, but I still see the power. I still see the balance swing. I still see a guy who's really improved at third base. He's had trouble staying on the field, but I was a—I think you'd classify me as a Miguel Sano guy. And now this whole thing is gross. Now the whole thing is just gross to talk about that, you know, in light of what you just went through, um, the details of that story that we have so far, it's gross to talk then, in my opinion, and this is just our job, this is what we do, but it just feels weird to me that then you got to turn on the mic and you say, well, okay, this is a red flag. This is a question mark. What do you think about his trade value? Or what do you think about his ability at the plate or his uh, personality in the clubhouse? It just feels incongruous to talk about that sort of thing when there's this, this other floating huge storyline that's out there, I think, yet unresolved. I, I, I don't know when we're going to find out the details of MLB's investigation, but I would imagine it's before the Twins report to spring training. And there's some precedent for Manfred suspending guys under the new domestic um, domestic abuse and I can't remember the official title of the policy. But there's there's a policy now in the collective bargaining agreement 
Four players have been suspended for varying lengths of time. Big difference is that those guys were arrested and charged criminally, and whether that was thrown out or charges dropped later eventually, that happened. In this case, we're looking a couple years back, and now it's a, it's an accusation, and we're yet to see what comes of that. Um, but I, I just, yeah, I wanted to get off my chest that it, it feels really yeah. weird talking about his value as a player in terms of, like, war when there's yeah. also this other lurking dark cloud hanging yeah, over the story. For sure. Um, I, I'll say this is this is kind of a complicated incident to, to parse because he is flat denying that any of this happened. I think unequivocally was the word he used in his release. Yes. Uh, I'm going to guess that it wasn't him that wrote the release on his own Fair computer. Enough. I'm guessing he had a PR person or, sure. so, or an agent or somebody. But they would have talked to him first and said, like, hey, how should yeah. we characterize this? What's the play here? If he is against women's wills, if he is forcefully grabbing them um, and going against their wishes and pulling – if the details of the story are 100 percent as depicted, he should be punished to some degree. Um now, where Major League Baseball is going to come in with this particular incident and ask questions, why did you follow him around the mall? Why did you not do, you know, you're, is, is it a public place? Were, were people around? Could you have done? You know, there's going to be a lot of questions. Miguel Sano is flat denying this. Um, you know, was there a previous relationship? Was it just out of the blue? Those are all things that are going to be asked by Major League Baseball. But then when you take a step out further and you've got multiple Anonymous, but multiple people, according to very sure. credible Jeff Passan, sure. close to Miguel Sano, saying, yep, this isn't shocking. Yep, he's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. I have a ton of questions about Miguel Sano as a person, even though this is the only documented story that's, uh, that's, you know, that's hit the, the well, wire so far. I don't, know how, I don't know if you felt this way, Phil. And this is, this is unfair for me to even, even like toss this grenade into the arena, but... In our current climate and what you're seeing going on in the political environment and in entertainment in Hollywood, like you're almost you're not surprised when you see stories anymore and you wonder, oh, all right, well, what's next kind of a thing. And and it's gross. And I don't like that. I think that way when I see a headline or when I first see, you know, the tweet and I'm reading it and I was talking with my girlfriend. And I'm just like this whole it's just it's unpleasant. And. Obviously, that's a selfish perspective because <laughs> unpleasant for me as a news gatherer and opinion giver, much more unpleasant for the people who have gone through this and specifically for the people who've had to suffer in silence over the years. So mm-hmm. I'm not like I'm not uh, forgetting my place in this whole thing. But even as just an outside observer looking in, it's it's troubling to me. It's unsettling. And uh Boy, I don't know which way baseball's going to go, what's going to become of this, but that was my reaction, Phil. I don't know if yours was similar, which was, and then and, and read the Jeff Passan story, same deal. It's like, man, it sucks to hear that some people think this is inevitability and that that's almost how it feels sometimes now yeah. to who's the next big name to behave improperly and, yeah. and get outed for it. I also think we have to be careful about we have to avoid false equivalencies with the me, the Me Too movement won't mean nearly as much if we don't draw some lines and parse apart the false equivalencies. There, for instance, in the in the accuser's account that that went public, uh, she mentioned that the first base coach from a couple years ago wanted her phone number. Well. That's not the same thing as Miguel Sano potentially grabbing her arm, and we have to separate 
promiscuous behavior with athletes and newsflash athletes tend to be promiscuous across all sports. We have to separate separate promiscuous behavior and unethical behavior from potential criminal behavior um, on the other side. And that's what I, I I need to know more. If Miguel Sano is promiscuous, okay, I mean, not ideal, but whatever, live and let live to some degree. If he's criminal, as this account seems to suggest, um, that's a that's a whole other conversation. I mean, Araldus Chapman fired multiple rounds of bullets into the side of a garage, and I believe uh, Jose Reyes was was uh, in the criminal category from uh, Major League Baseball's initial punishments last year. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens with the Miguel Sano aspect. Hopefully, people come out and and share more stories about players if if there's a yeah, an epidemic behind closed doors. Yeah. And hopefully this story leads to maybe the cleaning up of some behavior in professional sports. Yeah. But this is super complicated. You don't want to jump to a bunch of conclusions without full information. Yeah. But it seems like where there's smoke, there's fire. And if back to the baseball side of this, if I thought two weeks ago before this story came out, the Twins should strongly consider shopping Miguel Sano for baseball reasons. Mm-hmm. And now this comes out. Mm-hmm. Not only does it make me want to shop him even more if I'm the Twins, but when you pick up the phone, it probably makes it more difficult to have that conversation. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that um, just to look at, like, again, this feels crass, and but whatever. When you look at the implications on the field, if this is the only story, it seems unlikely that he would draw the kind of punishment that's been handed down to other players um, such as Araldus Chapman, who I think got a 30-game suspension yeah. for his uh, involvement in an alleged domestic assault incident. Now, I think that the fallout's not going to be nearly as severe for Sano. Um, I think just based on what I've read, it'll be hard to bring criminal charges unless there's some mall security footage cam or something that exists from 2015. And it probably doesn't from two years ago. Sure. I mean, if it does, then great. Then we'll have a better accounting of what happened, but like... This seems kind of unlikely to me. Um, so I, the the fallout on the field is probably not going to be super severe if this is an isolated incident. But clearly the fallout of his reputation, if these accusations prove to be true or if there are more of them or anything like that, clearly far outweighs us debating whether he's going to get a five or ten game suspension. Like that stuff's just way, way more important. Yeah. Um, in terms of his actual performance – I'd say I'm still a Miguel Sano guy. I'm not saying I would put him off limits in a trade discussion. But, again, if you're just talking about the player, just the stats page and the player on the field between the white lines, uh, Zip's projections came out for the Twins today. I don't know if you saw that. On no, fan I did graphs. not. Okay, so so Carson Sisjuli wrote up, as there's another Fangraphs writer who I'm, I've read for years and but years. Do, and don't know how to say his name. name. <laughs> Jay Jaffe, I, I always struggle with that. Uh, Eno Saris, we've talked about in the past, but so Carson wrote up uh, Zips projections for the Twins, and it has the Brian Dozier is their best player. All right, I'm on board with that. Uh, that Byron Buxton, I think, was projected for the next highest WAR total, followed closely by Miguel Sano, and so that's where I sort of see him. Like, if you were to ask me who's going to have a better year, who's going to be more valuable to the Twins next year, <laughs> is it Byron Buxton in center field or Miguel Sano at third base? I'd say Byron Buxton. But if you ask me then to divide him amongst guys like Jorge Polanco and Eddie Rosario and and Max Kepler, and 
he's just on a different plane than those guys. He's a star caliber player that I think the Twins can build around. Again, we're ignoring personal questions and stuff like that just for the purposes of this conversation. But, like, that's where I sort of get into battle, I think, with you, which is I still see Miguel Sano as a very valuable player, more than worth his salary. Am I going to give him $200 million in that, four years? But that's kind of where – so I agree right now. Sure. Yeah. Like, if, oh, I only, I only have to pay him $500,000 sure. or $2 million? Sure. Absolutely. Good player. But as I project down the road and I see a 36% strikeout rate, yeah. which is among the two or three highest in baseball. That's bad. And the home runs are there, but it ain't Giancarlo Stanton level of home runs. Now, he's not – you know, he's got a few years left to get into his prime and – and I'm not, I'm not saying that he's hit his ceiling by any means. There's still some potential with Sano. He's not an elite on-base guy. He certainly swings and misses entirely too much. He's not an elite batting average or run uh, runs driving in other than the home runs he hits. He's not gonna, What I'm saying is he's not going to give you the Miguel Cabrera-like all-encompassing production Agreed. that maybe we had hoped or thought when he was 19, 20 years old if he continues to profile like this. Yeah, you're, you're not going to be... Uh, if, if you're going to strike out in more than one-third of your plate appearances, you're not going to be a high on-base guy. You're going to be a decent on-base guy because you hit the ball hard enough in the times sure. you do make contact. He's going to be a worthwhile player, but you can find a 250 batting average, 340 on-base, power-hitting first baseman or DH, if I also don't think he can play third base in four years from now. You can find that for far less than you're going to wind up paying Miguel Sano on a long-term deal, factoring in his potential and his age. That's that's the, that's the big thing that the Twins are going to have to decide the next two or three years. And if you already have a feeling right now that you don't think he's going to be a guy that you want to invest in for $20, $25 million a year, this might be a peak value point where he has multiple years of team control left before hitting free agency that you could get a Chris Archer-type pitcher in return from a team like the Rays. Yeah, and I guess the... Hope if you are hanging on to him is that uh, he sees that yes, I'm a good player, yes, I'm a good hitter, but there's another level, and I think that's what you have to quietly behind the scenes. If you're the Twins, you have to wish for. You have to hope he goes to James Rousen and says, "Look, I can hit the ball really hard. I'm a really well balanced hitter. No matter how they pitch me, he sees one of the lowest percentage of fastballs in the entire league, and he's still a monster." and no matter what change-ups or off-speed slop they're throwing at him, he's going to get his. That's that's If he plays 160 games between third base, first base, and DH, you're going to like his numbers at the end of the season. On base, driving in runs, home runs, average exit velocity, weighted runs created plus, and WOBA. He's just going to be an offensive force. But I think what you'd be hoping is that he sees a guy like Jorge Polanco, like Byron Buxton, and like Eddie Rosario, fix weaknesses in their offensive game at a young age and say, well, if those guys were this good and James Rousen took them up another level, what could he do with me if I opened myself up to it? You're talking about a pretty high level of self-awareness That's right. that he appears to not have. That's right. I know. That's why it might be a hope against hopes. And generally speaking, the better of a player you are, the more you think you don't need help from anybody. So I think it's a bit of a long shot. There may be some entitlement issues here. And you can factor in all the evidence could, we've seen off the field now in the last couple of I'm pretty years. sure you could say that about a lot of people who've made it to the majors, and Miguel Sano's no different. That, well, 
Everyone told me I couldn't make it. The stats said I couldn't make it. I had a coach in high school who said I wasn't big enough, and I got drafted in the 12th round. Now I'm in the major leagues. What do they know? I understand where that sort of that sort of sense of self-confidence in the face of denial, where that comes from. Like it's it's almost it's like Darwinian. Yeah. <laughs> like you to get to the majors, you almost have to have a certain level of defiance. So it's a it's a it's a tough bet to feel confident about. But superstar players don't strike out thirty six percent of their plate appearances. Superstar players stay on the field, they get on base, they drive in runs, they hit the ball hard, they play well defensively, and they run the bases. Yeah. I think Miguel Sano is capable of doing all of those things. I think it's going to take another gear for him to get to where I think he could be and where the Twins probably think that he should be. I have one quick yes or no question for you with some brief elaboration in the last couple of minutes of this podcast. Is this a stat of the week or are we going to have to wait for next no, week for our next stat a, of the week? It's a would you, it's a would you, who says no of the week is what it is. Oh yeah, I forgot uh, we were doing these now. Uh, this podcast, by the way, is powered by Luther Brookdale Toyota right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard in the Twin Cities. And uh, if you want to get in, see, see my friends in that showroom area, Paula and Tony and Badu. They've been uh, great partners of 1500 ESPN and the Touch Em All podcast for a number of years. And they have brand new 2018 RAV4s and Camrys. I've driven these things. They're incredible. The new exterior, all the new technology and the safety features. So stop in and uh, go to the same people that my family and I have been going to for 30 plus years and help out. The Touch Em All podcast, Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard. Yes or no, or or if you were the – let me ask it this way. Okay. If you're Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, All right. would you trade Miguel Sano and Steven Gonsalves for Chris Archer? Yeah, I think so. I think – I would too. You've you've talked me into it. I, you know, If Sano's a three-win player or something like that, he's got four years of team control. Chris Archer's – just got higher upside. Injury risk is higher. You have four years of Chris Archer, too. That's right. In his That's prime. The thing. And the four years of Chris Archer is going to cost you about $33 million bucks. Pretty good price for a young ace, youngish ace, and better than what you're going to do on the free agent market if you're going to go buy you Darvish. Might cost that a year. <laughs> not Maybe not quite that much. <laughs> not but yeah. quite. But he'll make, he'll make <laughs> some good money, whether it's the Twins paying him or the Astros or somebody else. I, Chris Archer is the affordable kind of ace that I think you could reasonably talk yourself into packaging a guy like Sano. I'd be scared, and you know me pretty well here over the past few years working together, Phil. I'm risk-averse. I understand risks. I assess them. I have a little bit of history in blackjack. I was listening to a poker podcast on the way over here, which you'll appreciate. I'll give it to you after the episode. But, no, give, uh, it, give it. Oh, it's a, it's a Planet Money podcast okay. on the guy. I'll give you the quick tangent because this is a geeky audience. Uh, the the story is in poker investing. So when you go to the World Series of Poker, you're playing yourself for ten grand. But you're investing in other players. You're also buying five percent yeah. of his future win, his or her, and saying, "Hey, here's a here's a thousand dollars of your buy-in. If you win the whole thing, I'm taking ten percent of your winnings." Uh, fascinating episode. Would recommend it to you, Phil Mackey. Understand risks. I think about them all the time, and I'm scared to take them. So if I'm the twins, like. I always jokingly say, like, you got to go big or go home, and scared money don't make no money. Hey, you took a risk on the bacon collar sweater today. So, right. and how to play you. out. <laughs>